0: Was looking for something like, "Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the Krampus is so damn delightful."
1: Yeah, I I don't have enough creativity. <laughs> Mimics up the words. That, that's that. That's the level of professionalism here.
0: The utmost professionalism that you can find in the fleet lab. This is uh, so far the weekly film podcast that dives deep into the analysis of international films, every now and then popping into the US market as well. I'm Karri, studied some media in the form of audiovisual communication, and my co-host is Henrik.
1: Hello, hello.
0: Who is saying hello, hello for his listeners. This must be the first. You're breaking the traditions, man. This is a Christmas episode. God's sakes.
1: It, it must, must be all the punch is finally getting into my head. Ooh. Ooh. Alcohol, al- alcoholic pre- beverages. Whoa. Yeah. Which we, of course, don't consume behind the scenes while recording because we are professionals. like that. And shit.
0: Well, Henrik is getting quite delightful here then as, as well. There is apparently a thing called... Uh, is it a punch? Sponge? Some, some drink in the form so, so, of...
1: Some drink. I, I know that drink you are looking for. I just don't know exactly what it is.
0: Uh, well, this is the last episode that we're going to do in this format that we've been running with for well over two years now.
1: It is the last episode before the break we are going to take. That too.
0: So let's enjoy this fullheartedly if we can. So the first thing that I think should be know that is or to get out of the way is the obvious like do americans really eat mac and cheese for christmas like christ
1: they they eat mac and cheese for everything
0: they eat anything and everything
1: it's like mac mac and cheese is the most consumed food in america at least that's my impression they they bring mac and cheese for funerals and and christmas and I don't know. Basically, them every single like celebratory occasion they have, there's always mac and cheese for some godless reason. Because mac and cheese really is, is nothing to write home about.
0: I'm not sure I've even ever tried it. This must be amazing to hear for our US listeners, if any. What do you eat for Christmas, Henrik?
1: Well, basically anything that I can get my hands so on. Usually, usually the Finnish, Finnish traditionals, like ham and the casseroles, some salad, like, like one lettuce, neighbor's dog.
0: Ooh, must be a new tradition. And I also am a big fan of gravlax, which is a, quite of a commodity out here. Apparently a food... The commentary track speakers can't pronounce, or the actors. Interesting. It seemed to be a speciali- speciality in the Christmas stable, in this film. Why are we watching this film now, Henrik? Finally, I'm asking the right guy this question.
1: <laughs> because someone had to get this goddamn podcast back on the right track.
0: So back to the U.S. cinema. That's, Got that's it. That's why.
1: That's why. Their their first first Christmas episode that we we checked out it, it was my pick Merry Christmas Mr. Lawrence had Christmas in the title had Christmas in the dialogue perhaps had Christmas somewhere also along the lines of the film next year it was you who picked our holiday feature it was Klimov's Come and See and um, I like Christmas comes, Santa Claus comes, maybe something along the lines. I don't know. Wasn't my pick. So, you know, this Uh, year it it was once again my turn. And oh, Lord and behold, it's a Christmas film. It's a a holiday season movie with Christmas and shit.
0: Well, just like LM Klimov's Come and See, the kind of teaching is the same as in Krampus. Like you must come together as people, that's the spirit of Christmas.
1: Well true that, I I give you that much. (laughs) Well played.
0: Yeah, this is the kind of film podcast where we torture our listeners every Christmas with films that are, well, interesting in spirit. We can be found on (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. And Krampus is actually a thing. I must confess that this is very educational Henrik I've never heard of Krampus but it's actually a uh, central European folklore
1: yeah um, in in fact you are not alone most people mm. I would make a case haven't heard about Krampus or hadn't heard of of him before there started to be the resurgence in American Horror comedy, cheap horror movies, and I would say the character might now enjoy some popularity, thanks to to American pop culture media. But uh, outside of it, it's mostly it, it's mostly like German territory tradition, Germany, German, Austria, Austria,
0: Bavaria, that kind, yeah. of, thing. Um,
1: yeah, that, that kind Republic, of thing, yeah, Czech Republic, yeah. Yup. and like out- outside of those, for the longest time, Krampus really wasn't that well known. Not not even in in here in Finland. And we have at least heard the name before, A- at least slightly on some occasions. O- of course, with Krampus's newfound fame, already mentioned, the thing is that. Even if, if Krampus now is becoming more well-known, he still isn't coming that well-known, thanks to the fact that there's a lot to Krampus, that there's a lot to the myth of Krampus that is actually quite unknown to everybody and might be perhaps permanently. Because when it comes to the Krampus myth, it has proven to be, at least these days, Extremely hard, if not even downright impossible, to track down where the myth comes from and how it originated. There are a bunch of theories, yeah, that, wh- what goes behind Christmas, the but there are no like solid one one myth that we can agree upon that this is how it started and this is how it has uh, evolved.
0: At least we can agree, apparently, that it predates Christmas. So it's coming there as some kind of a anti-father Christmas force along the way. So this is basically a character who comes on Christmas to spank and in otherwise punish the bad kids who have been not <clears throat> not nice. And uh, unlike Father Christmas, uh, th- this is kind of like yep the the other direction where where they are getting what they are looking for.
1: Well yes and no yes and no like the, this is this is where we are starting to get kind of on the on the shallow waters when it comes to you know tracing back the myth and well 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 first of all it's it's hard to trace the myth itself but on top of that we also would to to answer the question where Krampus is coming from we would also have to Draw a line on what we actually count in as Krampus myth, because what most likely has happened, even though this is not certain, but one theory suggests that Krampus is actually an evolved version of a predating myth.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So indeed, so coming before before Christmas, probably wasn't even any kind of a Father Christmas anti version in the beginning. Or- just something else,
1: yeah, yeah. Like like predating Christianity, predating Christmas, not really being a Christmas myth originally. That's that's one area where the the in theories, at least, appears to to find a common ground. But what I'm more aiming at is that. well, well there, there are two two I I would say main theories at, at least on my mind which try to explain at away a Krampus that the first one is that Krampus is actually older than Krampus the, the myth uh, the uh, myth of the Krampus would be kind of an offshoot from the another Alpine pagan goddess myth that would be the Perkta, Perkta yeah. which would also be known as Frau Faste. The Lady of the Ember Days. Ember days being the, the early days of, of fast. And that would be the name that she would be known in Baden, Swabia, Switzerland, Slovenia. And Perkta would be a, a goddess deity who started off as a guardian of uh, communal tapoos. Like she was someone who was supposed to punish those who break taboos. But later on, apparently she would have been kind of a transfused or changed into more of a Krampus-y type of character, now becoming kind of a seasonal being. And she would be kind of unlike Krampus, who is one side of a yin-yang dynamic, like, as as the film points out, Krampus is supposed to be the dark shadow of Saint Nick, etc. Perkta would have been kind of the the good and the bad at the same time, depending on the situation. Um, That's the reason why Perkta often would have been depicted either as a beautiful lady or as an an old, old hag. And the thing with Bergta at this point, now that we are kind of getting away from the protecting of the taboos and becoming more of the seasonal grimbussy type of type of an entity, is that not not only would would she have kind of two faces, she would have also had a one weird foot, which at least brothers Grimm, to my at least to my knowledge, have speculated that would have me- meant that. The myth should have. would have been hinting that Bergta would have had some kind of a shape shifting abilities. But. the thing with Bergta here, at at this point of her myth, would have been that she would have been kind of a a punishing figure, a gifting and punishing figure to kids. Like, if you had been a really well behaved child, she would gift you a silver coin. And. If you would have been badly behaved child, then she would fucking kill you. Like, literally, she would slit your stomach open, remove your guts, and fill you with straw. And Perkta would have been especially concerned with, like, this would have been a special point to her, but with girls who did not spun their quota of wool during the the days of the year preceding her kind of a holiday or the time period when Bergta is supposed to go through, you know, seasonally, the kids. And on top of that, Berkta would also apparently had killed everyone who did not consume fish, meat or gravel on the night of her feast day. There was supposed to be a cycle which would include a feast in honor of Perkta.
0: Very very valid choice. Oh, very valid. Yeah. Out of the food of the gods.
1: Kind of, yeah. Plus, plus, plus. It sends a message to the vegans. Which is <laughs> always, always a plus. <laughs> we need more meat consumption in our tables. But... With Perkta, there, there, apparently there was kind of a, well, not a cult of Perkta, not, not, in, not a cult in the sense that how we understand cults. But there would have been, in, in Alpine traditions, there would have been kind of a, a celebration of Perkta. There would have been, much like Krampus, with Krampus today, there would have been same type of events. Like, people would have, dressed up as Perkta and they would have had have, have the event called Perktanlauf, uh, roughly translated as Perkta-run, much like today, the people dress up as, in, in the same territories, the people dress up as, as Krampus and they have Krampuslauf, Krampus-run. And Perkta would have been a real soaring point for the Catholic Church Uh, This now would be, right now we would have been reaching the day when Christianity is catching up with the Alpine traditions. And when they found Perkta and Perkta worshipping, the the, uh, Catholic Church apparently would have had an issue with with the whole Perkta thing. thing. And they...
0: Of course.
1: Yeah. And this would have led... At least according to this theory, this would have left left the Catholic Church trying to ban Perkta. And Krampus actually would be a result from the banning attempt. Like since since Alpine regions would no longer be allowed by the church to, to have their Perkta loaf, they, they would just, you know, get rid of Perkta and take Krampus instead. And just rebrand essentially the whole steak like that's that's one theory
0: and curiously the perk that became the Krampus has been adopted into those many catholic countries except Poland where I lived for about five years I never heard about Krampus most likely for this reason but already when you go to what well, was at least Slovenia? I'm not sure about Slovakia, but Czech Republic, that region knows about Krampus.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they have. Uh, even though, even though, of course, what is the reason behind Krampus's ability to survive Catholic Church? That's up to the question. I, I myself believe that Krampus survived through, well, essentially crypto pagans and syncretism. And I kind of guess that that's also where, in the end, Catholic Church would have also, like, Catholic Church also would have chosen syncretism instead of outright banning the Krampus. Seeing how that's kind of a, an easier road to take, like, instead of trying to say people that, no, you can't have this, you just try to kind of rebrand the character by showing the, the, the common ground between the two religions.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's a Christmas Satan of sorts, so it's easy to see why it's like uh, this. This something that the kids can fear during come Christmas time. Source is unclear for the character, but funnily enough, there is a very Christian theme thematics, between between uh, Father Christmas and Krampus. Uh,
1: yeah, 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 there, there is, there is. Oh, of course, with that you also have to ki- kind of. Remember to ask yourself exactly how much Father Christmas there is with Krampus, because a lot of the way how Krampus is being perceived today, it is post Christianity, and therefore, well, something that Christianity really strongly gave to the myth of Krampus was the Saint Nicholas, which on the which is a Catholic saint, an ex priest or monk if i remember correctly however patron saint of of was it travelers yeah essentially
0: krampus here used as a as the means of power before the millennial times or before we started to get a little bit less religious and as you can see in the at least the more modern depictions of Krampus it carries these chains and chains and it's thought at least to be symbolizing the binding of the devil and that would be from the Christian church
1: it would it would even though once again like with everything with Krampus also the chains nobody is entirely certain if 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 the chains of Krampus if they came with Catholicism and if they really mean you know Well, as you mentioned, finding the devil, or if it was something that was with the character already in back in the pagan days. I believe that when it comes to Krampus, most of the knowledge is forever lost. Uh, So we kind of are in the point where we just have to take whatever we can get our hands on and try to kind of find the roots of the character following those those few few essays that we have.
0: It's quite interesting how along the years, of course, there is more historical records. And as this happens, all of these kind of folklore things and whatnot, they start to get more established. For example, well, giving a more established depiction of what Grambus looks like, for example, in this film. And then it just... Uh, this kind of a record starts living on and on and 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 nowadays, because we can collect all the information and record it so easily, it's starting to have more maybe long lasting value as how Krampus might be
1: it it might it might at the same time that we also kind of run the risk that we may also kind of a pervert. The character and what the mm. character is originally supposed to mean. When it comes to Christmas tra- traditions, when it comes to Christmas characters, there of course there are there are things that perhaps these days are better left forgotten. Like for example, what, what was it, Schwarze Peter, the the Black Peter? Uh. The, the, e- e- essentially. African American or African helper of, of Santa Claus who started as a punishing character and later on was was kind of a rebranded as 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 a as a joyous and a happy character like like Santa Claus who also gives who is with Santa Claus also giving candy to the kids instead of you know whipping their asses like it was originally. But still, still, perhaps a depiction and a character that we have, we are best left to the history.
0: Krampus Schnapps was this strong distilled fruit brandy that I forgot about in the beginning. Director for today's film is Michael Doherty, who wanted to fi- make a film that goes. Back to the old days, Henrik. The films that we grew up with, that mix horror and comedy, but with some real stakes to it. Let's see how that goes. Have you seen any other films from Michael Darty?
1: I have seen the trick-or-treat, which is his another holiday feature. Uh, the uh, trick-or-treat Uh, centering around Halloween and then also the uh, 2019 Godzilla 2, King of Monsters.
0: All right. Anything else to note about him or let's move on?
1: Uh, We can pretty much move on because other than that, it's mostly just, you know, short films and then a whole bunch of scripts which are kind of on the varying degree of quality. Some good ones, some real stinkers, like, for example, x Apocalypse.
0: Uh, the casting is quite colorful. Here we have MJ Anthony, who was uh, a bit of a find here. Uh, his major films include It's Complicated Chef and Bad Moms, and Breakout's role in this chef film. Adam Scott playing the Tom, the father, he was in Hellraiser, Bloodline, playing Jacques. Did you know that?
1: Yeah. How, how, how the hell that is your pick for Adam Scott?
0: Well, uh, it's the highlight of his career. It fits this episode.
1: Well, well, yeah, it, it might be a highlight of his career, but that's kind of obscure find.
0: The, the biggest find here is, of course, that he is a podcaster. And thus regularly uh a music-related podcast with different names, such as when he's talking about the band Rem. The podcast for that is Are You Talking R-E-M-Re Me? Question mark. And then there is uh, one for Red Hot Chili Peppers, You Talking R-H-C-P-R-E-M-E, me And lately also, one called You Talking Talking Heads to My Talking Head. An Earwolf podcast production. Go ahead and find it
1: never listened to the to man's podcast
0: me neither on he was an aviator and and stuff like that all right
1: he, he is he is quite famous face in the
0: end yeah uh, overused. And a
1: whole bunch of shit
0: tony colette the eye roller mama sarah who gets tracked under the snow in the film breakthrough in muriel's wedding and of course, very much known for The Sixth Sense as well. And did The Hours and did The Japanese Story. Lately did Hereditary, 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 and Knives Out, starring Daniel Craig. And a bunch of big names, like Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Yeah. Much like Scott also has a filmography that, that has some real greats. Some real career highlights and also absolute fucking dark slide. For Tony Collette an example of dark would be XXX Return of Xander Cage from 2017 the third XXX movie that nobody asked for except Vin Diesel and his paycheck. Well I'm
0: sure it was good for Tony Collette's bank account and to be able to do more of these quality horror products for our viewing pleasure. Then we have David Kechner. Kochner, How do you pronounce that? Kechner. Let's go with that.
1: Kechner. Um, uh, if, if if I'm correct.
0: David Kochner. playing Who Uncle really th- knows? Who Yeah. Really uh, gets taken by the elves at the end, and uh, yeah, lately been doing uh, champ champ kind, the comedy, and the Anchorman too. Lots of comedies.
1: Perhaps the, perhaps the biggest comedy name of the cast. Adam Scott is another one who, who has a has relatively strong background in comedy, I must admit. But Kechner. I, I would say, he is the comedian of today's cast.
0: And then we have Alison Tolman playing Linda, the mother of the Braindead family. Uh, at least how it's depicted in the first 15 minutes for sure. Known for this uh, new version of Fargo for FX. And uh, Conchata Farrell, playing Aunt Dorothy, she has been a quite of a legend, I understand, on TV, so has a very, very long-spanning career on TV, and has done a bunch of things, Edward Scissorhands. In her later career she started to get into more of this motion picture direction and and seemed to forget the TV stuff pretty fast after that. Unfortunately died in October 2020. Stefania LaVie Owen playing Beth. She has played in at least, uh, she hasn't done a hell of a lot, but played in Coming Through the Rye. It's a coming of age in which two teens set out to find uh, JD Salinger. (laughs) Sounds quite interesting. Have you seen this uh, Krista Stadler playing Omi anywhere else?
1: Mmm, I myself most likely not. At least quickly doesn't ring any bell.
0: Uh, So this is shot very much in New Zealand. And uh, 95% of it is shot on a sound stage, which is... Well, I don't know if it's incredible, but when you consider the snowstorm and what happens outside, but... Uh, still I see it quite quite nice an remarkable feat that they could make the exterior so-called exterior shots to look that that lively and uh, quite believable. Quite enjoyed that. This is kind of a house survival movie. I don't, I hate to say this, but that kind of a movie of course I've seen a million times before. and it has these cliche archetypes, which, unlike the director said, in my opinion, they mostly stay as. Pretty dumb cliche archetypes. There are some exceptions there, yes. Uh, the, all the characters are good, though. But the, this is what Americans do pretty well. The characters are colorful and uh, mostly likable, even if they are dumb.
1: Yes, something that I found pretty enjoyable, even though I also don't agree with, with the director on the on the point that yeah. the ca- characters somehow transform themselves from the original archetypes. They do get some more some more material into them. Perhaps they get a bit more into the grey area. But essentially the rednecks stay rednecks. The alcoholic stays the alcoholic. Yeah. So there's no great character revelation or change when it, co- when it comes to them. But what I did like is that kind of all of the characters here are flawed. Like, there, there is no... that... that cute, cookie, cute... good guy, angelic character. There, there, is, there are better and worse characters for certain. But every single character has some kind of a flaw with them. And that... I, I did find relatively actually refreshing on on holiday dark fantasy horror films, whatever this is supposed to be. But in in, you know, relation to other films of such genre, I did feel that these characters may have been a bit more flawed than typically.
0: I felt that it's really great that we spend a lot of time to establish the characters, to make the audience somehow care about them or establish their rather colorful personas. Uh, the, but the fat dumb kid stays the fi- fat dumb kid pretty much. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't hit the running mill or anything, but instead he bites the cookie, the cookie monster, and that becomes his end.
1: Yeah, yeah. he is perhaps the m- worst offense here when it comes to mm-hmm. the director's claims that the characters somehow transcend their original stereotypes. Uh, in the, uh, during the course of the film, as already mentioned by you, that the fat kid dies because fat kid.
0: And the other characters, they might smarten up a bit, but many of them seem to even lose some of the absurdiness about them that they had in the beginning, which which was fun. And then they end up having maybe not so much character as they did have. At least the uh, grandma has something else to do by the end. She gets to die, but in a nice, meaningful scene,
1: I, I When it comes to grandma, I don't know about the meaningful.
0: I knew you would say that. Somehow I knew that you would not care about the grandma. <laughs>
1: not, not the least. Not the least. I, I saw what the film was trying to do, but I think that it missed its mark. It, it tries to have some kind of a... I must stand against grandpa's type of death deal going on. And
0: well, then...
1: then my ma- ma- the heroic sacrifice I buy you time and stand against him boils down to not doing a goddamn thing.
0: It was a bit morbid when they were sitting outside in the snow, and uh, our main character, the kid, was going through what is going through the car- grandmother's mind that she wants to stay inside the house, and then he has to explain it to the to the to the family father, that she's going to help us. She's going to face the monster and stuff. And, and basically what she's saying is pretty morbid because he knows that most likely she's going to die. Mm. Let's just leave the grandmother.
1: But yeah, when, when it comes to the character reactions, when it comes to character actions, I, I do think that the ending is perhaps the weakest part. Like, the people who start to do really stupid choices when it comes to the final mile of the movie.
0: Okay, let's talk about the final mile of the movie. So, it, this was an interesting question proposed in the commentary track and uh, something that I was thinking as well. Is the family actually alive or dead? Trapped in hell? There's a very dreamy look in the image, first of all. And... Uh, then we see the, the camera pull back, and then we see that it's actually something that Krampus is observing from his shed. And it appears that, uh, that he's looking at this house through a snow globe. So maybe Krampus has locked up the family inside some hell, some kind of a simulation inside that snow globe. And you can see there's a lot of those snow globes in that place, and they also have some kind of houses and something going on there. So, if you are like a skeptic or negatively taking this ending, then you can see that they are trapped in hell, or you can see that they actually just did did the whole Krampus things that he did, were cut and cancelled, and everything is back to normal, but they get the reminder that via the bauble that Yes, this actually happened. There's an alternative cut that you can see on the DVD Blu-ray for the ending. And, and there it's only where Max finds the bauble, just like he does in the final version, but nobody else is paying attention to that bauble. So they just carry on and everything is happy and jolly.
1: Yeah, I myself, I really didn't get, get the happy ending vibes from from the finished feature. My reading was precisely what what you proposed. The first that they really are trapped in this kind of a loop.
0: Yeah, at least it's uh, probably going to be the same kind of life that the grandma had lived. So it doesn't at least appear as a simulation or but most certainly in some way trapped in a loop imposed on them. But uh, I would say that this is the least dark christmas movie that we have so-called christmas movie that goes to lm Klimov for sure That's... Uh, that we have gone through here because at the end of the day this this film is quite well if you take the ending in the in the dark tone it's kind of a less happy experience but essentially it's still trying to say something about christmas that the once you forget the essence of christmas which is coming together and Put in behind your differences, then things will go fucked. Or when you forget the folklore and magic, you become an asshole, as the director said it. But if you get a tendency of being a, and becoming an asshole, that's probably true, but otherwise... <laughs> this is kind of the same statement that you'd lose your morality or your morals if you stop believing in God, which only the assholes do.
1: You mean lose morality or stop believing in God? This is important question now, Gary.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> it's not the same thing. You forget God. You don't lose your morals. Unless you're an asshole.
1: I don't know about how that actually correlates with the film. Uh, the main point ask I the, found.
0: Ask the director.
1: That the main point I found with the film is is more than simply becoming asshole since you stop believing in Christmas is that you stop respecting Christmas and you stop respecting the traditions that go with the Christmas.
0: Yeah, which is respecting your your friends and family, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that. But also understanding to respect your friends and family. The thing with, with Christmas is that in the end, Christmas for us, at least these days, it's a it's a collection of rituals. There's a, a hell of a lot of pretty simple rituals that belong to Christmas. Coming together as a family, having the feast, decorating the tree, going to the to the you know the Christmas Day church mass, hearing the the same goddamn songs once again. For the umpteenth time.
0: Who goes to a Christmas church? Not me.
1: Well, a whole bunch of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that my grandma does it annually, but... I don't remember ever doing that.
1: Uh, Do you do the rest of the Christmas shit?
0: Still. The rest of the Christmas shit for me would be... Well, having the Christmas tree. Getting some presents. I try to keep these at least. But goddamn now, everything is plastic you have a plastic christmas tree for fuck's sake and you don't really have that many christmas presents even nowadays i know that my mom is like a staunch defender of not having christmas presents because oh you never know what these people want and then if you buy something then other people will feel also obligated to buy something. And it's just a big waste and nobody will use that stuff. Yeah, well, I don't really agree. I don't really agree. I think you can buy something. It's not n- not a necessity, but if you put some imagination into it, I think you can find something.
1: Yeah, then I on my end, I'm more against the Christmas presents and I'm more about the traditions and the rituals. To to me really Christmas is in presence I don't even, you know, really concern my head with the whole the topic at all. I'm more just I'm I'm more about the feast and the coming together.
0: Yeah yeah, coming together. Such. That is really important. That's why I, I also came for Christmas to, to Finland from from Poland. At least I, I think I think every year. <laughs> because I still want that. That contact with people who are fucking playing with their smartphones more than actually connecting but anyways
1: yeah and to, to me all of that actually it, it, it appears as traditions and more than that it appears as as rituals. like they're, they're decorating that tree is a ritual going to a church is a ritual. even the and feast is a is a ritual. It's something that kind of belongs, uh, uh, that you are supposed to do, that you are supposed to feel during Christmas time. But kind of what I found that the film I- is arguing is that we do those mo- things more and more these days as traditions and less as rituals. Like we, we, we do that those things because we feel that we have to. Because it's quote unquote part of the Christmas, but we don't stop to think about why it's why it is part of Christmas. What is mm-hmm. the meaning with you know the tree decoration? We just do it because well we did it the last year and we could do it this year and we do the, do it the next year.
0: Yeah that's a very good point. I, I don't know really too much about Christmas decorations per se, but but coming together to unwind to relax, that, those are really important for me.
1: Yeah, but they ain't important for the film's family. Yeah, They, they come together and they make a huge fuss and show, up, show about, you know, the coming together and the food and the presents. But as the film pretty quickly points out, the ritual aspect is, is not there. They do it because they feel that they have to, because there is some kind of obligation to do it. No- nobody wants to... They, the main family doesn't want to meet the redneck family. R- not really. They, they ask them co- come over, but everybody is kind of a like, well, it's just three days, and then they leave, so everybody just suck it up. And nobody, yeah, absolutely nobody, would be one- wanting to deal with the aunt. The, the aunt is there simply because, you know, the redneck family went to visit her and she had already packed her suitcase, so they just couldn't leave her. So now everybody's stuck with her. So there is kind of this, we do the thing, but there's no meaning behind it. And to mm. me, in the, in the film, what Krampus most is doing, he is punishing the people for forgetting the ritual meaning Of coming together and having that feast and everything that's supposed to go into that. He's punishing the family most for the fact that they just do this shit.
0: Yeah, which is a bit creepy as well. It's kind of this whip there. If you don't come together, if you don't really want to come together for some very valid reasons, then you will get Krampus.
1: It, it it is it is pretty dark it, it is mean it, it is it is kind of forcing people yeah but at,
0: essentially at time, a religion
1: yeah yeah yeah. kind of kind of like a religion after all Krampus here he does use Christian imagery even though in passing but he still borrows it so there is that kind of a connection with Krampus to, well, what what we typically perceive belonging, belonging to Christianity. And in that sense, you can kind of see the Krampus as an enforcer much in the same way that religion can be an enforcer.
0: There's quite a bit of a mix of genres here and how well or not well it might be ex- executed. We can talk about that. There is the switch. There is the Christmas letter that changes everything. And the film goes from this typical Christmas film to a more sinister direction. Also, artistically, it will get darker in colors and tone. I wish that the comedy would have stayed more strongly throughout the running time because the film uses and utilizes it really well in the first 15-20 minutes or what, what is it, before it gets more dark. And I, I was really, I had a great time uh, during the beginning of the film. It sounded like from the commentary track that the the first idea of the film completely shed on Christmas, so you would have had uh, this uh, more of a darker tone. But then they started to develop it from from there into a story about a kid losing his faith on Christmas, which lo- launches the whole thing, which uh, which. Does act as a great inciting incident. I don't have a problem with any of that, but I kind of wish they would have kept a more sinister as well as funny
1: tone. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for the sinister tone. When it comes to the funny, kind of like it was with last week's film. Also here, I didn't really connect with the humor that strongly. It it was again. It it got occasional chuckle out of me, but I I wasn't like you know laughing. Not not really. I yeah, I, I I did enjoy the the more humorous elements. I did enjoy what they did with the film, but I I wasn't I wasn't bursting out the laugh.
0: Yeah, but the, it's uh it's setting a nice tone. You're kind of with it from the beginning when this. Masses of people in this slow motion start to uh, trample into this uh, shopping mall so filmed in new zealand I, I I thought that was a nice nice juxtapose with the music, the Christmassy music and uh and this uh, trampling and being busy and uh not really caring about the the message of Christmas and I'm like yes yes this is this is great. keep it going.
1: Yeah, that that it was. I also like the opening a a lot, and I I do think that it it opened p- pretty strongly. Yep. I I I still didn't burst out laughing, but the opening, as I mentioned, that the film did co- did get me chuckle at times. I did chuckle at the opening.
0: There are some great quotes here and there. The film is a bit slow to get rolling. And I'm not talking about the long character interest, but it does meander too long to get to the horror, I felt. Like, we already kind of know what this is going to be, and there's this big mystery. What happened to the sister, and let's look for our darling, and with flashlights outside, it's, it's going on quite long.
1: Yeah, Yeah, uh, to me that wasn't really a problem. I can I can see why it was, but from my point of view, as you mentioned, essentially what, what the film is, it's a house siege movie. That the family is in, indoors and the threat is outdoors and the family has to keep the threat outdoors. Es, essentially, like you said, kinda of stuff that you have already seen mm. So on on that regard I the the slow opening of the movie it re- didn't really bother me because you know once the film properly starts well it it gets into the pretty typical st- situation for these movies that as mentioned you have already seen
0: the film has been criticized for its tone this is really not what was bothering me. I was really on board with the with the humour. I wish once again, for the thousandth time, that it would have been carried better into the rest of the film. But there is the there is the humor. Tonally I think this is a pretty typical PG thirteen horror in, in, in that sense.
1: I actually was surprised exactly how far the film was going with its PG thirteen. I I thought that this was surprisingly mean-spirited and surprisingly violent for PG 13. When you look at it, you can actually see that the filmmakers are They are essentially they are using every single cheat that they can utilize to give you as as much R-rated stuff without getting R rated R-rating.
0: Yeah. Staying still
1: to PG. You you got that one fuck. That you can have in the film. If you meet the special, special reco- recommendations. Like it has to be in a scene. That has a tremendous emotional effect. To the character that says it. Uses that. There is a. Actually pretty graphic. stabbing to the eye. With, with the teddy bear demon.
0: Yeah. There is like the film... green stuff coming out of it.
1: Yeah. yeah precisely. Because if, if it doesn't bleed red. You can, you can still get your horrible violence to the PG. There was actually pretty gruesome attacks to the human characters, which were able to be there because when it came to actually showing the hits, the camera just quickly cut away. Or when, they, when the teddy bear is munching the mom's arm, you don't see the blood. So it's okay. And when you see, see the blood, and the gore, it's its only in the, you know, after the attack, like with the redneck dad's leg. You you can yeah. see it's being torn to shreds, but you don't see the axial tearing. So, once again, PG-13, because the rules are really fucking weird when it comes to what is PG-13 and what is not.
0: Yeah, I believe, uh, <clears throat> according to the commentaries, it was the only shot with blood when that... Like has been shattered to pieces. It, it
1: was, yeah. Uh, or it one. it wasn't. It wasn't. There is another. It's it's the it's Max's dad after he's been you know stabbed to the back by the 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 toy robot robot action man demon thing. You you don't see the stepping or, or you see see stabbing, but you don't see blood there, but you see. Blood on on the sweater following the stabbing.
0: Okay, I did notice. So it's very minimalistic in that <clears throat> department.
1: It, it is as it kind of has to be, once again because PG thirteen.
0: Yeah, I was quite laughing at the MPAA problems that they kept explaining about this film. That MPAA doesn't like kids with alcohol, but being swallowed by a monster is okay.
1: Yeah yeah as as mentioned the rules are really weird and i do feel that this may have been even stronger entry had the film been allowed to you know go to go for the r if if it has to Mm. like the the pg-13 here feels a lot like a producer mandate and the filmmakers having to find a way wriggle around the 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 limitations of PG thirteen while trying to give as much violence as possible.
0: Yeah, you know, of course, Michael Doherty doesn't say it outright, but I think you can read between the lines that he was uh, a little bit uh, annoyed about the fact that he had to go with PG thirteen. But then he was told that, well, you know, if it's not PG thirteen, then the kids are not able to see the film, and yeah. Dude, that's a pretty good point, point. and he really wanted the kids to see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good point, but then again, you know, thanks to the annoying kids in the audience, we we lost in some some horrible violence.
0: Yeah, I'm not really looking for it here. I didn't. I wasn't bothered by that at all.
1: Actually, something that might help the audiences why it doesn't bother that much is because. And this is something that we don't pay eye too often. But essentially, behind-the-scenes wizardry here is actually pretty damn great when it comes to... Well, when it comes to cinematography, and especially when it comes to audio and color design. Mm. Especially audio design, I think, deserves an ovation for its work here the the some of the sound effects, for example, when the chuck in the box demon is is eating the kids, the the goddamn audio of him swallowing the children, it actually makes the whole scene feel a hell of a lot like nastier, more mean spirited than it actually is.
0: Yeah, um, there are I think um, many examples like that where the film also relies very much on. The soundscape like the dog gets eaten, and actually, when thinking about Krampus, uh, actually, he reminds me of the Nazguls in the Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, but like sound wise, also. He, he does, he, he, he yeah, does, yeah. He's kind of the as said in the film, he's kind of the sh- shadow of Saint Nicholas. And, and some of the monsters on the roof, they, they yeah, they sound like Nazguls. There's this. Ooh! Thing going on,
1: and and since you mentioned Nazguls, it also holds water in the sense that that cramps and some of the monsters, much like Nazguls in in Lord of the Rings, they most most specifically they exist I- truly through the sound design. They do like Nazguls in Lord of the Rings would it be half of the creatures? Would the, would the sound design not be there? And that's also through with Krampus. Especially with Krampus in Krampus. Because a hell of a lot of the character comes from the way how he sounds. And how, for example, he sounds when he moves. Like the, the scene mm. when the sister sees Krampus outside, outdoors when, when she's going to meet, meet her boyfriend and Krampus is on the rooftops essentially basically everything that you get from Krampus when when he starts to run on the rooftops it comes from the sound design it
0: it does and also the whole Krampus' design itself like having this long 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 hood over the head that is very Nazgulian aspect and when you, you said about the sister and who's being attacked and she goes under the van of the DHL and uh the hoof comes into the frame, you see only the hoof and the sound that it makes and the angle that it's taken from, that very much reminds me, once again, from the Fellowship of the Ring when the, the leg the, the the hoof touches the ground when the hobbits are under under the tree, the like a legendary scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, you are you're right on the money with that one.
0: Yeah and actually funnily enough Peter Jackson is in the thank you credits of this film for some reason. Of course Peter Jackson has connections to Weta Workshop because Weta Workshop was responsible for uh the gear and the much of the practical effects and digital effects as well for the entire Lord of the Rings the six movies that they've made.
1: Yeah and these days Jackson is essentially is New Zealand. <laughs> If, you, if you're going to film in New Zealand, you, can, you you are practically filming in Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson is like the, the, the godfather character of New Zealand.
0: Yeah, that went totally crazy, that place. And there's uh, this grandma theme also that was giving me some ideas of Lord of the Rings. He's She said something like, I was left as a reminder of what happens when hope is lost. And that's like something that is said by the galadriel in the opening speeches of fellowship
1: yeah yeah the the whole whole i can i can feel it in the wind
0: yeah yeah all hope is lost and the monsters are gonna increase now type of thing
1: yeah i i too i don't remember what the opening monologue was but yeah i i i do i i get what you are referencing
0: and of course there is the whole Grim Reaper connection, Grim Reaper, Nascal, Krampus, kind of the same category. Most important uh, for the director were the horns, the hood, and how it framed the face, the the fluid cloak that it's dragging, and the hands. And I have to say, this this design is once again, whew, this is really well designed monster, even though it it's comprising of Elements seen many times before, but comes together beautifully.
1: It, it does. It does. Even with the shortcomings that the monster has. Like like when you finally see Krampus' face, it, it essentially is a rubber mask that doesn't even move.
0: Yeah, but there's a thing to it. So actually it is a mask confirmed by the director. Uh, it's a mask that uh, Krampus is wearing. And I don't know if you can see it in the film, but... If you look closely, if you can see it, if you look closely to the mouth, you are supposed to see another face in, inside that mouth.
1: I actually completely missed that one.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be a demon wearing the face of an old dead man. But the director will never say whose face Krampus is wearing.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, I was I was lost on that point. Uh.
0: Yeah, on the other hand, uh, like, I wonder how much Weta will allow for a discount if they're just allowed to to talk on the extras. I I hope they worked for free on Lord of the Rings since they talked on the extras for 5,000 hours for Lord of the Rings. For anyone who has seen the extended editions like I was I had to go and puke out some Weta workshop in the toilet.
1: <laughs>
0: but the, the and considering the budget for Krampus was on the low end of fifteen million, so um, you gotta lend probably two thirds of the documentary to Weda. We have the making main making of chapters of or or this documentary and it's almost all Weda Workshop. And on top of that we have the Weda Workshop documentary. Like Jesus Christ. With a lot of recycled material by the way.
1: Then, again, if if I'm not completely mistaken, I've understood that Veta, at least partly, is is also Jackson's shop.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Like Jack, Jackson is is pretty closely tied with Veta. I'm I'm not necessarily is is the the like like the owner or the founder of the workshop. But may go as as far as being like one of the not registered founders. Like like Veta is essentially Veta is under just one name, and that's not Peter Jackson. But it once again it might be one of those corporate decisions where Peter is is actually one of the founders. He just is off the papers.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: So that that might explain at at least part of the, you know, the whole, whole Lord of the Rings thing, and per, perhaps also if if why if you are gonna film in New Zealand and you are gonna do practicals, you are gonna do practicals with weather,
0: and you're gonna do elves, and you're, and gonna, you're do gonna do elves, Nazguls type of stuff, like maybe even had a dinner with Peter Jackson. Like, Peter, please, can I have some concept art used in my Krampus movie from your Lord of the Rings stuff?
1: Yeah, all it was was Peter who contacted Dorothy and was like, Not nice film you have going there. Would be a shame if something bad would happen to it.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about character decisions in this film. Like, It took forever for the grandma to tell what they're up against. What did what if you think of, think about that? Maybe she needed some reassurance of what is going on.
1: Well, well, well the old old hack holding holding info, which is extremely crucial on the situation. It's it's kind of cliche. Uh, yeah. Everybody always notices. Then again, what? Once again, in in grandma, Grandma's defense, as 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 the film showed, when when she finally opened up and told everyone everybody what's what. Well, the fuckers didn't believe her so perhaps i would have kept my sh- my mouth shut also. so
0: yeah it takes the death of one kid that she is happy to take some crumpled schnapps and sh- sh- sit down and tell the whole story like this is how it went the forgotten elder as they say seen as not val- valuable commodity but becomes Somewhat valuable? I wouldn't say that much valuable because they can still see that some strange, strange shit is going on here and they are just, well, after all, the grandma is not giving any specific direction of what the hell to do here. This is just my sweet Christmas time past past pastime story and it's not really useful for defeating these creatures.
1: Well... Grandma did have that one useful moment. Oh, wh- when when she was like, "Keep the fire burning, don't let it die out." Yeah, and and then everybody fucked up with the you know ki- keeping the flame, and the fire died out. And immediately, Grandpa's helpers come down the chimney. Yeah, well done.
0: Yeah. So the, also the mother lets go of the fat kid going up the chimney. And surprised that th- there is no blame game coming from the so
1: father family,
0: like why didn't you keep on holding
1: on to my kid, you son of a bitch? Yeah, well, th- then again, then again, you know that the family did get a free chimney sweep when the fat kid was put up. So I, I, I guess the redneck daddy o und- understood the importance of of free chimney sweep
0: and the importance of Christmas at that moment when he lost his son. Well, now it's time to stop y- y- shouting. <laughs> they also didn't want dumb deaths and dumb characters going, going out dumbly. Uh, well, yeah, they are not like this kind of characters that, oh, let me check what that sound was and let me go there all alone and you can wait here and have some
1: coffee. Well, well, actually they are. Like, like the two well, daughters... Doesn't true Let, let's let's check the weird attic and then you have the grandma I'm not going to do anything and then you have the daddy oh I I could run but I will not
0: and then you have the sister who's going to check on the boyfriend
1: yeah yeah on, on even though even though on on the sister's defense that that was before yeah violent weird shit started to happen
0: Well, there was still a quite strong snowstorm out there
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have gone into that snowstorm either.
0: Yeah. There's some kind of a, well, let's say cannibalism. There's one elf that gets eaten by one of their own. I think it's a jack-in-the-box that is going underneath the snow like a snake and sounding like a rattlesnake in one point and eats one of the elves, interestingly. Jack-in-the-box doesn't discriminate. What I really was missing... In Jack in the Box or the villainous department altogether was that. I didn't feel them getting close enough. I mean there are some sort of horrific scenes where you see the Jack in the Box eating one person. But like it's just Jack in the Box there in the corner doing his things. And then he has some minions doing some dirty stuff. But I was waiting for that like that hard crash between these guys. Some kind of a super escalation. Not really getting it. And besides yeah. the Jack in the Box, or that a clown goes into some kind of uh, ventilation shaft and just escapes the scene.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah, that that he does. Even though I wasn't really, I, I didn't want any kind of a real face off or fight the check in the box demon
0: okay what can i do what about this guy i forget who it was but this this guy who was like or girl going like who pushes the dog into the ventilation shaft or wherever it's going and to the obvious death of the dog weirdly you, you heard on the commentary track that they're the director's own bulldog was dying around the same moment when they were filming or watching the scene that they had performed regarding this dog death. And apparently some grandmothers and a lot of fathers of the production died during the filmmaking. Ooh. Henrik, do we have a sick relationship with death, as we enjoy looking at other people dying? We as a species.
1: Ah, partly... Yes, again we have had that, I, I I, guess we have had that always, like go- goddamn lynchings and uh, hangings and crucifixions and uh, all of that, used to be, yeah. be like public spectacles.
0: Yeah, it's like, right, it has moved from public spectacle to public spect- spectacle, only it's performed spectacle nowadays. Uh, it's kind of the last frontier. We don't know what is after death. So I guess that's the fasc- fascination.
1: Uh, yeah, there there is also some, I, I guess, some kind of a societal feeling of, of justice and revenge. Like e- executions, e- even though they are not public spectacles anymore, but they are still actually viewer spectacles. Mm. At least in America where you can I, I don't know exactly how how executions and you know getting into the audience works in every single country. But for example in, in America you may be actually allowed to come and witness the execution. It's, yeah. it's not public anymore in, in the same way as it was back in the good old guillotine days. But it still isn't completely isolated individual, you know, occasion. It still is something where audiences are permitted.
0: Then again, death is a nice vehicle for storytelling. and always has been. It can be an inciting incident. It can be inciting anything. It can carry on the story. And then, then again, death is such of a basic concept of well, life, birth, life, death—it's—it's it's, <laughs> like it's so commonplace. There's nothing that's special to me about death in in that sense. And maybe we should just try to look at it with less fear in our hearts. It's just a natural process; nothing else to it.
1: Then I—I I don't know. I—I I kind of feel see seeing how you know we. Uh, also, fast coming from covering Malberg's, the unknown soldier, which is a- a also about time period of, of a lot of death in it. Mm. I I'm kind of I'm not entirely certain, but I kind of have this half-hearted feeling that our attitude towards the death is 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 something that is is easy to manufacture now during the peacetime. Like would, would there be yet another war? Mm. Would we see another war? Would we see death in occurring in in the war? It might be that we actually at least occasionally. Like at, at least for a for a time being we might actually have our fills with death and we wouldn't be so excited and see, seeing horrible death and Horrible murders being depicted in film.
0: Yeah, we have gone through a bunch of World War II stuff, and uh, it's a theme that comes again and again in, in Italy and entertainment. That when the times are rough, then people need entertainment, and I would say that it hasn't been really this kind of entertainment. A more of a joyous films, comedies, things to make people laugh. Which isn't to say that Krampus isn't making me laugh at points. At least in the first fifteen minutes, I had my fun. But um, it might be that just if we have another big war, we might not be really into this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe we, uh, at least for a short moment, we in indoors lighthearted comedies more.
0: Would be great to see a horror movie, in which the characters would be absolutely hyper aware of the wrong decisions to do during a horror movie like there's really none that i know scream oh come on get the hell out of here they always eventually do the wrong decisions i would like to see something where they are super smart
1: yeah that on the other hand that what that would require would be essentially a meta horror film like, it, it would need a horror movie where the characters know that they are inside a horror movie. Kind of something like, like Scream, except even even more meta and with smarter characters. Like, with, with Scream, they didn't really utilize the, the horror movie knowledge and the, the quote-unquote horror movie rules. In any sustainable way, so, so that they would avoid being killed. They acknowledge the mistakes that often happen in certain types of horror films, and then they just kept on doing the exact same goddamn mistakes.
0: Well, business and premiere of this film, December 4th, it came out by Universal Pictures, 50 million of budget, and uh, garnered forty-two million in the states canada 18 million worldwide 61 million a pretty good job but i think we haven't heard of any sequels and i'm not looking forward to any sequels this works well as a one-off
1: i i too wouldn't really test my luck with any sequels Uh, we we have other Krampus themed horror films these days oh we do Oh, oh, we do, yes. So there is Krampus, the the Christmas devil, and there's another film called Krampus, and like like Krampus tries to be some kind of a thing these days.
0: Hmm.
1: So w- with that out of the out of the way, I I think that you know if if you got one good Krampus film, don't don't test your luck with a sequel. Because there's plenty of bad at this point.
0: Yeah, if you're getting too excited about Krampusian moments, then maybe read a novel that was released as a merchandise as a tie-up with this film in some way. Krampus Shadow of St. Nicholas, maybe that's your thing.
1: Or then you can go, you know, watch any other Krampus movie. Like uh, Krampus The Reckoning or Krampus Origins or... Crambus, you know, Grambus inserted the cliché title here.
0: On the reviews department, I picked out at least one by Damon Fudge. It's an awesome surname you have, sir. From KCCI, saying, it doesn't go far enough into either of its two genres. There's too much wasted potential to make this a true holiday horror classic. End quote. Hmm. Well, the director surely was hoping that this would become some kind of a Christmas tradition. But uh, time will tell. IMDB uh, amateur writer Girl2688 wrote the following. This is the perfect Christmas tale for the kids and families out there. It's a story that we could all benefit from, in fact." End quote. I guess it's gonna be the last quickies in this format. Favorite performance.
1: Mine even though I I did like all, all the performances here. Like I, I wouldn't say that there was a bad one in the film, but in the end it for me it became a showdown between the two male leads. And from them, I'm I'm gonna give my favourite performance to David Gechner who plays Howard, the, the redneck dad. Simply on the virtue that e- even though both Kechner and Scott, they, they both are strong, they both, both have the serious and the more humorous aspect and the moments with their characters. But I did think that Kechner him being a comedy pro-veteran, he managed to perhaps win the the funny moments fight more often and got more of the funny scenes to him. So my pick is Gechner.
0: Well, all the mugging of the film aside... Maybe, once again, it's going to be the main star, MJ Anthony. Like, there's a emotional range that was needed in the role, and he pulls it off really well. A favorite quote would probably go to Uncle Howard.
1: Well, now I'm intimidated.
0: I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of Christmas cookies. I think I can take it.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm on the safe waters, because mine is also from Uncle Howard, it's, it's basically the best question that the film has. How come the rich How come rich people get all the free shit? That's a legitimate question, like, what gives rich fucks?
0: Yeah, that, that quote about the Democrats was pretty funny as well. Or the one by Max. Why do we have to put up with their crap just because we share DNA?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not... Krampus ain't, ain't like super quotable movie, but it, it, is, it is still relatively quotable. There is, I, I would say, a good amount of good quotes to be found. It's most definitely... This one wasn't the hardest. Find a quotation case that we have had during our now or over two year run.
0: Yeah, no, we're... We are into the U.S. cinema or, or more of this perhaps more mainstream or horror. So we are finding this pretty easily. Favorite kill.
1: It is MJ Anthony when he gets dropped into the fiery hell bit. Mostly because it's, it's essentially it, it was the biggest or it, it led to the biggest shocker that I had with the film. Which yeah. is a downer ending, and also because it was actually relatively mean. Like you, you have all of that. Please give my back my family, shedding shedding that tear of innocence, saying that he's sorry, and Krampus not giving a shit and just killing the bastard.
0: Yeah, that Krampus touching that tear on the face that is so reminiscent of some other film. Where the hell have I seen it before?
1: Well, insert movie here. No, but this We we are almost talking about a cliche once again.
0: But this kind of hand, some kind of a monster.
1: I I don't know. Um, It were the scissor hands. No. Those weird hands and tear. (laughs) Beauty and the Beast. Mm Hmm. Beastiality hands and a tear.
0: Damn, I can't think of it. But like you said, there's many. Well, if it counts as a kill, if any kills count as a kill in this film, it's the it's the fat boy who gets eaten by their clown. I suppose it's him. Somebody gets eaten by their clown at the attic.
1: Well, uh, at least the daughters get eaten by a clown.
0: Okay, whoever. Human feet.
1: Yeah, kid munching.
0: Oh dear. Three adjectives to describe Krampus.
1: Um, well, seeing how I didn't have a, a strong problem with the pacing, as you you had I go firstly with fast. My second one is entertaining and the last one is dark. Not necessarily dark enough, but no. I was kind of surprised how dark it meant to get. Yeah, how did
0: it uh, fare then? Because I told you, I think before you saw the movie, that maybe it's not dark enough for you. Maybe you want to go with the children for this episode.
1: So. Mm, you were kind of right, like when it comes to a... To dark, I I do prefer more of the you know the children mm. levels of dark. This this still was way too lighthearted for me to be kind of a dark entertainment. I or, or to be enjoyed because of the darkness, but I I still was. I, I was expecting this to be more lighthearted, this being PG-13 and, you know, holiday horror film and all that jazz. I was constantly treading as, as the final seconds, final five minutes road of the film rode in that we are going to get the happy ending. And I was positively surprised when we get what I, I at least took as a downer ending.
0: But at least they kind of survive in the ending, and I was thinking that oh boy, Henrik is probably not gonna like this.
1: I, I, it didn't bother me because to me they only on um, they, they didn't survive. Mm. But my reading is that they did die during the attack, and now they are trapped in 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 a certain kind of a hell limbo where they just are doomed to live that that night again. Perhaps yearly or perhaps like every single time that the loop resets. Like, now that they have reached the day 25 and they remember what happened, the loop is immediately going to reset and they are just going to start living the night again.
0: Yeah, although I felt that the pacing was kind of broken here and there, I didn't think that it was that's low either, if that makes sense. I thought there was enough points of interest and some or- originality when it come to, comes to the creatures and the special effects and uh, and the story, it's nice to watch. And it was, for me, festive, funny, at least in the first 15 minutes anyway, and alluring. Moment of truth. Henrik, would you recommend Krampus?
1: Uh yes. I I would. But it, it's gonna come with the same caveats as last week with welcome. I I will recommend it, but it it's not gonna be a glowing endorsement. It's once again gonna be one of those more lukewarm recommendations. I'm I'm not telling you Oh yes, you imme- absolutely have to see it. But I I do think it's okay. The thing that I found myself mostly thinking of when watching Krampus was Kremlins. Mm. I I see a lot of similarities with this one to Kremlins. Both are Christmas-themed, holiday, winter-themed horror comedies. In my opinion, both are not as horrific as I would kind of like in in both of the cases the comedy parts didn't don't make me laugh, but like said, I said, I do chuckle every now and then. so that's already a, a, a at least a relative victory on the comedy department. In both cases yeah. I do like the creature design. I like the as established, I do like the color scheme. I, I like the sound design. I think both films have some of, in my opinion, really cool shots. In Gremlins, for example, there's the moment when the Gremlins jump into the swimming pool and start multiplying like crazy. In Krampus, well, you have, for example, the from the very ending when when Max is gonna face off Krampus and Krampus is standing on the edge of the hill a bit, and it's glowing red. That's pretty nice shot. So I I did see kind of a, a lot of the, a lot of the same energy and and a similar type of vibe with, with Krampus as with Gremlins and both films even though Grampus is not any kind of a classic not necessarily even as good as Gremlins but I I would say both are I I thoroughly enjoy. I, I like watching both films. And uh, Krampus, at least for me, it has a strong possibility to become, well, not an annual, not not every Christmas type of deal, but a film that I can see myself popping in another time in, in some future. I most likely, I will check out Krampus again at some point and I will once again be entertained by the film but so yeah recommendation from here but once again it's it's not some kind of a cinematic classic
0: okay yeah as tired as I am of listening to weather workshops advertisement speeches I have to admit that This has really great creature effects, and I really like that they are going with the classical approach, that there's a lot of puppetry and all that. The traditional kind of meeting with the digital. I just wish that the film would have pushed further with its concepts, like amped up the laughs, as said, and amped up its confrontation, and maybe focus with the antagonism as we have these elves, then we have check in the Box. We have the lovable little teddy bear. We have a lot of things going on here, but maybe we, instead of just popping them on, kind of all at the same time from multiple directions, maybe try to give them more focus or purpose than just being this general chaos that Krampus is creating here. But, yeah, very creative, and I'm kind of... Dangling on the knife's edge. Where to go with this one? I quite enjoyed the character of Krampus, and there's a certain educational value to this film, no doubt. It's easy to sell this film, like, hey, do you want to watch this Krampus this Christmas? Because you probably haven't heard of Krampus, so let's put it on. And This Christmas is spirit and stuff. and Fun for the whole family. It's easy to put on, unless you have a German grandma with you. So, yeah, very, very lukewarm recommendation.
1: It it is it is it, it's a family feature essentially. Yeah, as as you mentioned, PT thirteen. You know, you, you can you can show it to kids. There's with that rating with with, with all the craps that we have we have had in this episode when it comes to the lack of. Lack of violence or thereof. Not a problem. Well, not a problem. But it also means that there's really no... Nothing so shocking that you can't show it to, you know... Well, not the youngest one, but the kids. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. your friend who just doesn't like horror movies. Yeah,
0: but it's... Yeah, it's creative. It's it's colorful, kind of festive. And uh, the characters are, I think, still well written well written enough
1: yeah it, it most definitely when it comes to holiday films it most definitely is in the upper echelon of those of course holiday films that's a that's a like really, really subpar level to top but well well this, this is way better than most christmas movies Again, dying from cancer is better than most Christmas movies. But you know, this beats dying from cancer, which beats beats most Christmas movies. So, as a Christmas movie, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. So hey, next Christmas flubber for those better than cancer. Productions. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it had any Christmas spirit in it, but yeah, let's Well go
1: well it. It, it has a lot of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> you really
0: you really know you're watching Krampus when when DHL finally fucks up their delivery. And, <laughs> and and that and that's because Max takes back his wish on the friends and family part, but not the DHL man. And everybody else, just like Jesus intended.
1: I, 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 somehow, I, I hope that that Max's family was the last house for that DHL delivery guy, <laughs> because God damn it, if there's someone who is supposed to still who is still waiting for his package, yeah, yeah, damn. Like, where weren't you supposed to make sure that you deliver? God damn it! <laughs> like, die on your own time. Uh, you really know you are watching Krampus when you trap a bunch of dead kids into a snow globe, which also is something that has a possibility to become a new Christmas tradition.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's time to drop the lab coats into hell, or to help it for this week.
1: <laughs> for, for for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness, but but, but fear
1: are not, dear listeners. We will be back in on on the airwaves wa- to <coughs> audio rape everybody's earbuds next year.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the next film, or what are our next films would be the term. What are we gonna look next, Henrik?
1: well we have been toying in in other way, uh, other words serving our listeners that we would look into the rest of the Jurassic Park series oh boy so w- would it be once again a huge pile of dino shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah a continuation of this pile of shit in the form of the lost world Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3 Jurassic world Jurassic world fallen kingdom did I miss anything I think that that's all for now
1: at, at least for now God, God let us pray that for quite some time because believe me listeners the best one is behind us <laughs> it's, it's like it's a it's doubt here. So down here from here.
0: Oh boy. Yeah, nobody knows exactly how this is going to look like, but...
1: <clears throat> <laughs> not, not even us.
0: So there's a, this format that we're going to switch right now. This was the last one that you've heard of this format that we've been running with for, what is it now, 117 episodes. So, time to update. And uh, what is this about? Well, we're going to look at different kinds of films as a phenomena, because we don't want to do a separate episode for each Jurassic Park. We would like to look at the the whole Hellraiser saga as one episode, at least the the parts that we haven't delved into yet. And we would like to look at the different styles of cinema, different genres of cinema in one episode, different cinemas of different countries. There's a whole lot of (laughs) ideas that we are building up and so far we only have this that, <laughs> Jurassic Park I guess mature enough that we can start to go ahead with this episode
1: well at, at least doing a franchise mm, res- retrospective as the next episode is gonna be uh, f- about a franchise that is not too long at least yet like Hellraiser is going on its March 9th or 10th film Mm -hmm. So there's still a shit ton of ground for us to cover. With Jurassic Park, it's just four films. So it's relatively easy still for us to tackle as a a franchise thing. And well, perhaps starting with with a franchise retrospective. Also for us, seeing how we don't yet know how the new format is going to exactly turn out might be a bit safer bet yeah
0: yeah definitely and there's still a lot of small details or even bigger ones that we need to figure or iron out before we start recording next time like we have to go through with the whole structure how we're gonna actually go with it next time if there's gonna be any particular structure for any episodes anymore or it's going to be kind of like case by case. We'll see. We'll we'll figure it out for the next one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Flick Lab will now take a break and we will return on, insert date, 28th of January or some other date. And yeah, I know that's kind of a long break already, but we really need to regroup here, like figure out the small details of our episode structure. We need to record some episodes to the bank, and we need to feel a bit of festive spirit here too, you know.
1: Yup, yup. We too need to, you know, take a break, really, and and at least partially rest ourselves. Like I'm I'm already getting getting letters when are you gonna come home, <laughs> the family? So.
0: And you can't really answer that because of your great responsibilities.
1: Also because I'm shit at writing letters
0: (laughs) So regarding Today's film Krampus We invite you to have a Conversation that is hopefully not hate mail (laughs) The conversation continues Online if you so wish So you can go follow us on Facebook, Instagram YouTube and Twitter for updates also during our little downtime here. So you can send us also movie recommendations to analyze here in the lab, or just movies that you'd like us to watch on our own, whichever the case. But we'd be happy to hear what you'd like to see on the show as movies or content or structure or such. We're listening, it's another thing entirely if we'll follow your recommendations, but we'll see. So what did you like, dear listener? In this 117 episode run. (laughs) What did you not like about. Today's episode or any other episode. Let us know. Maybe. And uh, I think. We can. Actually see this. Podcast as. Kind of having some certain. Some kind of seasons. You can consider the season one of this podcast. As episode one to 21. That was the summer to winter, the the beginnings phase. And then we started season two perhaps with Terminator 2. That would be the episodes 22 to the 50th. That's the winter to summer 2019. Then we had season three, let's say, from 51 to 74. This is the summer to winter with the new theme theme song in 2019. Season 4, 75 to 100, winter to summer 2020. Season 5, 101 to 117, summer to winter 2020. And now, I suppose, we're heading to season 6, if you will, from uh, 118 onwards.
1: Well, we have soon been doing this as as long as goddamn Axe Falls originally ran
0: <laughs> Sort of. Anything smart Dumb to say before we wrap up this sort of a classical run of the podcast.
1: I I guess we can just you know wrap the classical. I'm not I'm not really gonna you know throw a celebration for for our now ending format. So, I I guess you know thanks for the ride, everyone who has been listening thus far. Thanks for the wishes. Have a good one. Merry Christmas.
0: Yeah. And Happy Hanukkah.
1: We get back. Yeah. We get back to you next year.
0: Yeah. Happy festive season or holidays. Happy New Year. Whatever you celebrate. Why are we doing this, Henrik? This podcast? Do we have anything smart for this one?
1: That's what I've been asking myself also and what basically all my relatives have been asking for me.
0: Well, to Keep the equilibrium and the show going. Maybe I hope that you don't figure it out. <laughs>
1: um, on on my end, I, I I I started the doing doing the podcast kind of as an as an experiment, p- partly as sim- simply to riff on on movies. I actually was somewhat trusting that we don't have the energy nor the stamina. <laughs> Did it go as far? I was I was counting as reaching the fifty or something, and I I don't know somewhere along the lo- road when we have been doing this I I have ta- started to see more and more merit even even with our scrappy little podcast even with as much uh, criticism as I have towards this podcast and I have a lot and varied, but. I I still see kind of a, a reason for us to be doing this. I, I see that as, as as basically as everybody has been stating that the world and and us people we are going getting more and more divided. Countries are getting divided and there, there is a bigger gap. Bigger gap constantly amongst between us and between the nations i i kind of see that during these times it's extremely important to keep up the conversation and to to hear each other's opinions and kind of allow us to to see others viewpoints and art can be pretty good tool In in doing that. To show you. Show someone else. Where you are coming from. And how you see. See the world. And. I. More more than riffing movies. These days. To me. Flick. Doing the flick lab. Has. Become more of an effort. To. Try to keep the dialogue. Going on. to, To. Preach. About. Films that. Not necessarily. Everybody Would. Otherwise, know about Mm. to to try to find points, to view points and talking points from different types of films and bring these points to the light so that basically, you know, we would still engage in the activity of having a dialogue and and sharing ideas. Even, Even with Krampus, even with Krampus today, even though this is. Pretty silly, Hollywood popcorn entertainment entity thingy. Even even with this one, I I kind of did find the merit in in exposing yourself to the myth of the Krampus and exposing yourself to the history of the myth and and the movie driving me to study harder where the myth comes from and also to to study the importance of rituals and exactly how much we still have rituals in our everyday life because we still ain't free from rituals as it as it turned out in today's discussion Christmas still is heavily a bunch of rituals So maybe, you know, acknowledging and understanding, even respecting that side of Christmas can somehow help us to notice that, hey, we are not so different from some some other group of people who also have rituals. And like our Christmas rituals are extremely important to us, perhaps, you know, that group's rituals are important to them. And maybe so, perhaps we are not that different after all and perhaps if we see the common ground, we can also still continue seeing each other as human beings and therefore something that has value.
0: Well said. Alright. Oh, so please leave us a rating also on Apple Podcasts because that's where we start to get the recognition worldwide and uh, of course you can listen to us also elsewhere such as on spotify and uh, all the major podcast players that you can find well i guess that would do it
1: yep until next year